0: Hey, and welcome to The Short Stuff. I'm Josh, and there's Chuck, and there's Jerry, and this is short stuff, so let's get to it. We're talking about a war started by an ear.
1: Go. (laughs) My favorite thing is how you try to keep us so on track, and now I try to throw us off. You really do, and you're doing it now, and it's making me sweat. I love it. Uh, All right. The War of Jenkins' Ear, which uh, there's a lot of misnomers in this uh, war because— First of all, the War of Jenkins' Ear was not called that until 110 years later. Is that right? Yeah, an essayist. Uh, what was his name? Thomas Carlyle mm-hmm. dub- dubbed it the War of Jenkins' Ear 110 years later, and what it really was was just a part of a larger war, uh, the War of Austrian se- Secession. Succession, right? Succession, because it was it was succession. a question
0: about who was going to t- take over the throne.
1: Yeah, but I don't want to poo-poo it. Let's just go back and tell the story because it is pretty good.
0: It is. It's a good story. That whole succeeding to the throne thing, that was a big deal in Europe in the 18th century and long before the 18th century, too. But by this time, Europe had basically formed a, a really intertwined set of economies and set of governments so that if if you were say like um a, a prince in spain you mm-hmm. may end up be like running the show as the king of austria at some point because your father married an austrian princess and you have austrian blood and there's no clear heir to the throne and so you are being called upon, and Spain is like, yes, I'm so glad we have somebody over there in Austria because now Austria's going to do right by us. And when that didn't happen, and when their alliances broken, and when there was um, a conflict over who had the rightful um, claim on a throne when when it came up for grabs, that's when wars broke out. So you got like Spain, Austria, France, England, all of them are alternately forming alliances. Warring with each other and taking the throne from one another, taking a seat on one another's throne, which usually brought those two countries together. And that's what happened in this case, too, that kicked all of this off.
1: Yeah, this happened in Spain uh, with King Charles II dying. No clear air. So, obviously, all of Europe basically is like, ooh, I want to be the king of Spain. Right. uh, Or, you know, someone from our country because that will really help us out. Yeah. So France and Austria got uh, involved, and both says, "Hey, we have a claim to the Spanish throne." And um, France and Spain basically—they uh, all started plotting. All these countries started plotting with one another, and the uh, Emperor of Austria and the King of France—I think—while Charles II was still alive—divided up Spanish territory of Italy between them. Charles got upset willed his throne to a French prince, and then France was like, wait a minute, Austria, did we really have a deal? Right. Uh, Because I don't remember that. Uh, All I know is that we're next in line in Spain. Austria got mad. That started the war of Spanish succession. Right. And that is important to this, not because it was the war of Jenkins' year, but it just sort of set the stage in that Spain and England, even though France and Austria were fighting— They were sort of involved on the fringe and just ticked each other off, basically.
0: Right, exactly. So, there's already hostilities, and this was not helping things in the colonies, especially in Georgia and Florida, where France and Spain, who were hostile to one another as a result of this war of Spanish succession— were butted up right against one another, and there was a lot of border skirmishes. Um, I think by the time 1739 rolled around and the hostilities really came to a head, uh, Georgia had only been formed as a, an English colony like six years before. Yeah, so it was real tentative and tenuous, and the with the the Spanish really had a, a respectable. Navy that could take out a, a coastal town if it wanted to. And so Georgia was in a really vulnerable position. So um, one of the things from that war of Spanish, Spanish succession that it addressed, the Treaty of Utrecht that came out of it said, okay, Spain, you you and England, we haven't forgotten about you guys. We need to make trade amongst you much more smooth and legal and maybe that'll keep some of the skirmishes from, from happening. And so the English were allowed for, I think, the first time to actually trade with Spain from Georgia to Florida, which seems like it would be a good move, but it ultimately led to disaster.
1: Yeah, and what, you know, there were a lot of things at stake here, but uh, we shouldn't uh, whitewash this and leave out that what England was really doing here and all, all the battling was trying to improve their... Their trade capabilities in the Caribbean, not just with stuff but with human beings and slaves,
0: oh yeah, yeah, true,
1: so it was very, very ugly what was going on, and in the Treaty of utrecht uh they they set all these guidelines um England had all these ambitions uh in that area, and Spain though says all right, you know what though we're gonna act as the i guess sort of the the coast guard and the cops. Um, of the high seas and if we think that you're smuggling something you shouldn't be smuggling we're going to board your ship and uh, maybe we should take a break here and finish the story right after this
0: Okay, Chuck, so the Spanish Armada, the Spanish Navy, is acting as the Coast Guard because technically the English traders are allowed into trade, but they're, they're supposed to be, like, their cargo is supposed to pay taxes, tariffs, duties, all this stuff. The problem is is that the English were um, rampant uh, smugglers. yeah. And it was way easier to say, like, oh, hey, you in Florida, you need scissors and yarn, and I want some of your silver. So I'm just going to sneak some of those things past the Spanish Coast Guard, in the hopes that they won't find it, and then we can trade, and that's what the Spaniards called contraband. And so the Spanish was well aware that this was going on, so they would board ships routinely um, and search them. And on, uh, I believe, April April 9th, 1731, they happened to board a ship in particular called the Rebecca that was captained by a guy named Robert Jenkins.
1: Yeah, and this was one of those uh, Spanish patrol boats. Uh, it was called La Isabella. And they said, we're coming aboard, and we're going to check out what you got here. There was a bit of a – well, they found them out. They were smuggling things that they shouldn't have had after they inspected the manifest and the cargo. Yeah. And there was a punishment levied. One Juan de Leon Fandino, who uh, was the Spanish captain, tried to send a message straight to the king and said uh, with his sword – (laughs) You like that? Mm -hmm. (laughs) He said with his sword, off with your ear and cut off Captain Jenkins' ear. And Captain Jenkins ostensibly picked it up, put it in his pocket, and later pickled it.
0: He did pickle it, and he carried it around with him for like seven years. And finally, one day, I don't know how, but he managed to get into the House of Commons and said, look at this. Look at what the Spanish captain did to my ear. Um, just for trying to be like a, a, a respectable businessman, smuggling a little contraband into Florida. And he said that if the King of England were here and in violation of the law, he would have done it to the King of England too. And Parliament said, that is it. <laughs> we are declaring war on Spain. Georgia, go get them.
1: Yeah, uh, he was actually called in to testify. So okay, um, he was an important... Um, Important witness, I guess, to the activities down there. Maybe that's why they called him in. The one bad part about that story is supposedly there is no evidence that he actually presented his ear. And people think that it may have just been sort of gussied up through history and telling of this tale. But he did testify. We know that. But uh, it certainly makes for a great story that he actually held his ear up and said, look at this pickled ear. (laughs)
0: I'm hoping that at the very least, they inspected to make sure he was missing an ear.
1: Yeah. That would be a dead giveaway.
0: (laughs) It would be. (laughs) So, um, obviously, I think we should say, like, no one ever started a war over somebody's ear being lopped off. No. That just became shorthand. Again, the tensions between England and Spain and the tensions between their, their colonial presence was already simmering. Uh there had been a lot of overland skirmishes between Georgia and Florida, and this was this was pointed to historically as the thing that that the straw that broke the camel's back, I guess.
1: Yeah, and the sort of the um, anticlimax of this story is the War of Jenkins' Ear was not much of a war. Um, like we said, it was sort of part of smaller wars that they just gave a name to. One hundred and ten years later, uh-huh. but there wasn't much that got accomplished during the War of Jenkins' Ear, over that, that few years that they had these battles?
0: Well, a couple of things did come out of it. One, there was something called the Battle of Bloody Marsh. So you're thinking like, oh, man, a lot of people died. No, it was called Bloody Marsh already. That just happened to be where the battle was was staged on St. Simon's Island in Georgia. Yeah. But in that battle, like 5,000 Spanish troops sailed to Georgia and landed and came, came into Georgia and were repelled by the uh, Georgian uh, colonial defense people.
1: The Georgia this, defensive line.
0: Exactly. <laughs> they pushed them back, pushed them back, <laughs> way back, right? And that was huge for them because up to this point, remember the Spanish were like like inconceivably powerful. Yeah. And Georgia said, oh, wait, we actually can defeat them. So that was one big thing. And then it also solidified Georgia's position Uh, safely as an English colony, that it was like, hey, man, we're here to stay. You stay down in Florida. We'll stay up here in Georgia. We're an English colony. You're a Spanish colony. Don't mess with us anymore. So those two things did kind of come out of it, actually.
1: Yeah, and Oglethorpe, uh, he mounted his own campaign to invade St. Augustine and did okay there, but eventually retreated and even left his armaments and weapons and stuff. Uh, So there, I mean, there were some major battles, but... I think in the end, the War of Jenkins' Ear is just sort of um, a bit of a historical footnote in a lot of ways.
0: Yeah, historically, it it got absorbed in the larger King George's War. Which Um, was a part
1: of the War of Austrian Succession, I think. Right,
0: exactly. So, it was a war within a war within a war. It was like inception in colonial
1: America. (laughs) And. Ellen Page will be here in just a minute to fully explain it over and over. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Uh, Thank you for listening to our attempt at explaining
0: the war of Jenkins' ear. Uh, We'll see you next time on Short Stuff.